that you're a good God, you're a great God, and worthy to be praised. So now may we praise you as we focus on the written word that you've given us that shows us great things that you're doing. May we find ourselves in these pages that you've written for the early church, but also for our good and our instruction. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Whenever I go on a trip, I'm always thinking, I wonder how the travel's going to go, right? I mean, I'm with my family, and is it going to go smoothly? Is there going to be some rough spots? Because I've had those rough spots. You've had those rough spots. I've been on the airplane and, and had, the, had the kid with the full diaper, you know, and, and the seatbelt sign is on, and I'm looking at the seatbelt sign and looking at my kid, and I'm not going to say which one it was, though. It could have been any of you. Okay. Um, and you're looking at the seatbelt sign, looking at the diaper, you know, and who wins in that moment, you know? You just break the rules because you can't take anymore? You've you got to get it done. And, and, I, and I've been to the, you know, uh, driving to Midway Airport in Chicago, and, and it's like, no, it's at O'Hare. What was I thinking, you know? Get the taxi. we got half an hour to get there, you know, really. And off we go rushing away, you know. I've been there. You've been there. there there's some... There's some rough stuff when you travel. It's not, it's not always easy. Um, I've been in the airport and, uh, you know, had the, uh, you put your luggage right up on the, uh, on, on the weigh machine, you know, and then you find out that you're five pounds over and you're thinking, what can I take out? I don't want to pay a gazillion dollars to take an extra five pounds, right? So you start looking through your stuff and, you know, we don't need this and, you know, we don't need these shoes and, and your kids are like, but that's mine, you know, and, we're getting rid of it. It's going to the garbage, right? You know, because I'm not paying 50 bucks more. Uh, all those things, all those things. But sometimes travel just goes smooth. You know, the way is just prepared, it seems like. It's like the Red Sea parts and you just walk on through. And it's easy. And it's those times when you realize, boy, I arrived on time. I got parked okay. I got in where I needed to go. The flight was not bumpy. I didn't sit by someone asking me very personal questions in a loud voice. You know, uh, yeah, we had that happen too. Um, what do you say to that person? I don't know. They just they act like they care, but it's not right what you're asking. Um, uh, when it all goes well, you kind of mark it down and you say, I wish every single time I traveled it would go like this. I didn't get lost. Everything was on time. Perfection. What we have in Acts, and the passage we're going to look at today, we're really going to we're really going to drill down into the first four verses. I mean, we're really going to hit those hard. And really, what we're looking at is a perfect send off to Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey. I mean, they're about to go out, and this is about as perfect as you can get. This is about as smooth as you can get. And I am sure that when you know Luke, who's recording Acts, when he heard the story. When he was told how it all went down, he thought, this is how you send ministry workers out. This is how it goes. This is as good as it could be. i got to write this down. And so we get these four verses that describe the calling and sending of Paul and Barnabas into the mission field. 
Check it out. Go to Acts chapter 13. If you need a Bible, there's one in front of you, a blue Bible. If you don't own a Bible, this is your gift to keep. Take it home with you. If I see it on eBay, I'm going to come after you. <laughs> I don't know what the going rate is for, for uh, chair Bibles. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I only say that because, you know, working at a Christian bookstore, unfortunately one of the, 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 the biggest things that people steal is Bibles, which is really sad. But anyway, in church you can't do that here. You, you take, take it home. Um, Acts 13. In the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. All right. I just want to look at these verses intently to understand what's going on. When I read these verses, there is a person that stands out above all the others here in this passage. There's names given here. But I see the work of the Holy Spirit. We're calling this series... Missio Dei, you know, the mission of God. The mission of God, the Missio Dei. And it's the mission of God to send people out. And so what you see here in verse 2 is, you know, the disciples are worshiping and they're fasting and the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. The Holy Spirit said it. He said it. He decided this. And then, when they go, the church sends them off and blesses them and lays hands on them. We've done that here in this church, right up the front here, laying hands on, sending. But if you look at verse 4, the two of them sent on their way by who? Well, it was the church, right? No, it was the Holy Spirit. They're sent by the Holy Spirit. So, so this is what I'm getting at. This is where I think the passage is, what, what it's showing us. The Holy Spirit is sovereign in the calling of ministry workers. The Holy Spirit calls people into, uh, I'm going to use the words, vocational Christian service. You know, it's your vocation. Now, in saying that, I need need to remind you, you're all in full-time ministry. I mean, we all are. Wherever you work, that's your place of ministry. Your home is your place of ministry. Your neighborhood's your place of ministry. Like, we're all full-time, just to be clear. Like, I don't get a paycheck for that, right? But, but you know, in heaven the benefits are pretty good, let me tell you. Um, but, but you're all full-time. But, but I'm, I'm zeroing in here for the sake of this message and what's going on in this text to the Holy Spirit calling people to vocational Christian ministry. He calls ministry workers. That's what He's doing. Which means, if that's what the Spirit is doing, that's what we're doing as a church. Like, we're just keeping in step with the Spirit. If He does it, we do it. That's how this works. He initiates, we follow. So, this is my main idea, really. That the Holy Spirit is sovereign. He has an idea of who He wants to go into vocational Christian service. And we follow that calling. But He's in charge of it. So, as as many times as you have met or known 
a Christian worker, pastor, missionary who um, maybe caused damage in, in the church. Maybe they abused their responsibilities. Maybe they created a scandal. You know, as many people as you might know that shouldn't be in ministry, we always got to go back to the foundation that the Holy Spirit calls, that He calls. And yes, things can happen along the way. Unfortunately, we all have free will. We all have a sin nature, and that can get in the way. But at the end of the day, ultimately, the Holy Spirit calls and He sends. You know, I, it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing. You know, for ten years, I sat under the ministry of a great senior pastor, a great preacher, you know, taught me a lot of great things about how to do this, you know, how to speak to people. And one of the things, he, uh, he was a military chaplain, right? Now, that means so many of his sermon examples were from the military. Now, I've never been in the military, but I can tell you all about it. Because every Sunday I heard about it. And I'm sure he's going to hear this message and say, really, Niall, come on. Uh, but, but, you know, it just, it just made me think when I'm thinking about the Holy Spirit calling people and being sovereign and saying, go. I think it really is like, you know, if you're in the army, what, what is the army going to do? They're going to tell you when to go, where to go, how long you're going to be there. And you don't get to say... Well, can we talk about this? You know, I have a few questions. You know, I've always heard and I've always been told when they say go, you got to go. You don't get to ask the questions. They are sovereign over your life. And when the phone call comes, you're on the plane. You're traveling. You got to go. And I think even more so, even though we have free will, even though we can resist the Spirit, when he calls, he's going to make it clear. When he wants a person to go into vocational Christian ministry, there it is. And you've got to go. Because he's in charge of who these people are, what they're doing, where they're going. He's in charge of it. Now, I don't want you to tune out the rest of the sermon because you say to yourself, well, I'm not a vocation in vocational Christian ministry. This can't be for me, you know. I don't want you to do that. I want you to hear this because this is our job as a church to be sending these people out. This is our responsibility. So this is on me. It's on you. It's on us. And by the end, I will have some specific applications for all of us, whether you're in vocational Christian ministry or not. I also want to avoid any sort of um, glamorizing this, you know, I'm preaching it because it's in the text. But again, I'm going to say it again. You're all full-time ministers. You, you all are wherever you're at. You may not get a paycheck for it, but you're called. As you go, make disciples. Jesus gave that commission to all of us. Okay, so I want to talk about this sovereign calling, the Holy Spirit doing this work of moving people into these places and moving Barnabas and Saul into it. Let me explain it. Um, and, and again, these first four verses, in my mind, it's like, what a way to go. What an awesome launch point. It do, it's not always this smooth, is it? But this is a great example. It's great to hold up an ideal, isn't it? Here it is. So number one, in understanding this calling, this sovereign spirit calling, do you want to hear the call? Then seek the Lord. Seek the Lord if you want to hear the call. Um. You've got chapter 13, verse 1, and there's this list of church leaders. 
and they're designated prophets and teachers. And probably, you know, they could be either one or both. There tends to be a little bit of overlap when you're proclaiming the word and you're speaking and prophesying. You know, prophecy could have a sense of the Holy Spirit wants us to do this or we need to get ready for this thing that's going to happen. It can be predictive at times, predicting the future in some way. But, but the sense of I'm speaking through the Spirit of God, which has a similarity to opening the Bible and teaching. You know, So there's a little bit of crossover here. And so we don't know which one of these guys is pro- a prophet, which one's a teacher. These are the guys. There's Barnabas. We've talked about him before. There's Simeon called Niger. There's Lucius of Cyrene. There's Menaean, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. I think the idea there is Luke's kind of saying, you know, this is how I get information about the king. You know, this is how I know about Herod. One of his own friends is part of our church. And he's a teacher or a prophet. And then there's Saul. Saul, who's going to become Paul, right? And while these guys are worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit speaks. And so, really... Do you want to hear the Holy Spirit sovereignly call you into something? Seek the Lord. What are they doing? They're fasting and they're worshiping. You know, they're, and actually the word for worship is, is ministering. They're, they're ministering. That's literally what the word is. They're, they're ministering. And it's almost like it's saying they, uh, there's, there's a ministry to the Lord. And, and, and I, think, I think worship's a good way to translate that. You know, they're together. Whatever they're doing, they're praising, they're seeking God. They're praying, and there's this general word for ministering or worship. But they're also fasting. And, and maybe that's something that we don't do enough. Whenever I think of fasting, I think of depending. You know, it, it's depending. Because what you're saying is, I need God more than I need lunch. So instead of eating lunch, I'm going to seek God. Because He's better than lunch. And if you love food, that's a, that's, a, that's a strong statement in some ways. And so I think a lot of times we don't fast because we think we've got this. We've got this. We can handle it. We're American. We can do it. But people that fast are depending on God. People that fast are setting God in a place that says, you are more important than me than food. I need you more than I need air. You're my Lord. And so they're, they're seeking God in the fasting. Um, my favorite definition of fasting is Richard Foster's uh, definition. Fasting is feasting on God. It's a great definition. Um, this is what they're doing. They're seeking the Lord. And so let me generalize this a little bit. A lot of times we're making decisions about, uh, maybe it, it can be about any decision, job, college, uh, uh, career moves, you know, uh, any of these things. What do we do? Where do we go? Where do we move to? And we want the Lord's best. What do you do in those moments? It's the same thing you do when you want to hear a call to ministry. You, you seek the Lord. You do what you know to do. The Bible's full of of directions for how to live your spiritual life. So if you do those things, you're doing what you know to do. And then He'll do the rest. He'll show up. He'll guide you. And this is what happens. They're worshiping, and God just shows up. The Holy Spirit says, set apart for me, Saul and Barnabas. 
All right. The Spirit sovereignly calls. Number two, to affirm the call. Do you want to know for sure that the Holy Spirit was speaking? Speak with leaders. Speak with people who have discernment. Speak with the prophets and the teachers. Speak with people that you trust that are seeking the Lord. And you say to these church leaders, what are you hearing from the Lord? And I love this passage because I love what Luke doesn't say. Because I read the passage and I'm studying it and I'm making my notes and I'm writing all these things down. And I want to know, which one of these guys heard from the Holy Spirit first? What Was it Paul who said, I, I think we got to go? Was it Barnabas who said, I, I think the Spirit is speaking to me this morning? Is it, um, is it Lucius? Is it Simeon? I, I don't know who of those five guys heard. Was it all of them that heard at the same time? And they're all like, whoa, this is... I don't know. But I don't think we're supposed to know. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is, you've got a group of leaders, and leaders hear from the Holy Spirit, and they affirm a calling to ministry. It's a sacred responsibility to say, what's God doing in your life? I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to seek the Lord on your behalf. I've been in I've been in a role of supervising uh, youth interns. And there was at least one time where I had to have that sit down with the person at the end of the summer when their, when their time of ministry was over at our church and say, I don't think, I'm not sure God's calling you into ministry. I, I'm not. I'm not seeing that, and and, and, I, and I set out the reasons. This is what I'm seeing, and that's a hard thing to say to somebody, but that's part of the discernment thing. And how did it turn out? Well, the person said, "I'm I'm, I'm doing it anyway," and they did it for a couple of years. Nothing nothing bad happened, but then they found a secular job and they found their new calling. Their new place of full time ministry was in a secular job, which is great which is perfect. And I'm not saying, you know, who knows? Who knows how many times out of ten I get it wrong. But at least that one, it seemed like the Spirit was being clear. And so there's a sense of, if I'm going on this new endeavor, what do the people around me think? What are they hearing from God? What are the leaders hearing from God in my church? And submitting to that. To affirm the call, Speak with leaders. Uh, number three, to follow the call, partner up. And, and this one, this one really struck me because I'm reading this, you know, and going, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work. Now, by the way, the word set apart, I was really excited because I thought that might have been the word for holy because holy means set apart. But really, the word set apart means uh, like drawing boundaries. Like, you know, here's my property line. Don't you cross it, you dirty, rotten neighbor. Hopefully you don't say that. Um, here's the boundary line, you know. And, and it's the Holy Spirit saying, I've, given, I've marked a line. I want these guys to get out of Antioch and to go somewhere else where I'm going to lead them. And I'm drawing the line. They're mine. They're my workers, and I'm sending them out. To follow the call, partner up. The Holy Spirit wanted two of them. And, and I can't get over that when Jesus sent out the, uh, the 12, what he did was 
he gave them power to cast out demons and heal the sick, and he sent them out two by two. Two by two. And there's something about having a partner when you're in vocational Christian ministry, that we're in it together. And again, I know this is an ideal situation, but I do wonder if we send people out solo, is that, is that the way we should have done it? Is that what we should have recommended? I, this is just a, a wrestling point for me. I think of Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. If one falls, the other one can help him up. But woe to the, the one, if there's only one. That, that's hard. And so, I'm not trying to be dogmatic, but I see wisdom here. Because when Jesus sent the twelve out, you think like, Jesus gave them power to heal the sick, power over demons. I mean, they had power. They had real spiritual power. And yet they needed this other person to go with them. And I assume part of that is it's very pragmatic. It's just, there's a person who can pray for you that goes with you. A person that can encourage you. I mean, who better, than, who better to be with Paul than Barnabas, you know? He's the encourager. you got somebody, an encourager with you. When you're having a rough time, they're stepping in. It's just a beautiful thing to have someone go with you. And I think that's something that we ought to consider more as a church. Now, I know in some ways um, we, might be able to fo- we might be able to follow this direction when we send out ministry teams. We send out a group of people. So there's a lot of partners, you know. There's, there's a team of people. And we partner with missions organizations, you know. And, and maybe even if you were to go solo, you're going to meet up with people when you get there. And they're going to walk with you through it. And you partner up that way. So I'm not being dogmatic on how this looks, but that you're not going it alone. That's the way Jesus did it. That's the way the Spirit does it here. I'm guessing they knew what they were doing. Uh, so that's number three. You want to follow the call, partner up. And then finally, to sustain the call, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I want, to read, I want to read a section from their first missionary journey. I mean, this is it. This is them going out. Uh, so if you look at the text again with me and look at verse 4. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Translated in our terms, they went to a place where they could find a boat and they left. You know, we went to, went to Chicago and got the plane, you know, right? When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant at the tavern, I mean the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. Some of you, you didn't even hear that. Um, The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because they wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, boy, I don't know how to say his name, Elymas, I think, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, this might be the first time he's called Paul in Acts, I, I think, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind, and for a time you'll be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately a mist 
and a darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. It's no uh, accident that as soon as Paul and Barnabas go, there's opposition. And mark it down, you know. It's the day when you first decide to share your faith. You know, you share your faith and it doesn't go well. There's opposition. There's stuff coming back at you. And it's the same way with a vocational Christian ministry. You go out and, and there's pushback. It's that way, um, it was that way with Jesus. He's being baptized. I mean, that's a noteworthy day. You know, the sky opens, the Spirit descends on Jesus, the Father says, this is my Son. It's a great day. But immediately, Mark says, immediately after that, the Holy Spirit sends Jesus into the wilderness. And who meets him in the wilderness? But Satan does. And he tempts him. It's kind of like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do ministry. I'm ready to, I'm ready to travel around and proclaim the kingdom of God. This is the moment. Well, there's stuff coming at you. It's like the children of Israel. They're free from Egypt. You know, we're free, we're free. And then the Egyptians start coming after them. And then they're in the wilderness, right? They're in the wilderness and like, we're free. And you know, we made it through the Red Sea. Well, actually, there's no meat here. And then they grumble. You know, there's always something. But there are spiritual attacks. So do you want to sustain the call? Do you want to keep going in ministry? Do you want to persevere over the long haul? You've got to be filled with the Spirit. That's what it says of Paul. He was filled with the Spirit. He could fight. He had the armor of God on. And you've got to count on it. you just got to count on it. Whenever you step out for the Lord, just count on pushback. It's going to happen. Satan hates it when we step out. I think it's kind of like when you go to college, right? Um, you go to college and you're super excited. <clears throat> it's a new city, new things. <clears throat> Christy, can I get a some water. I feel it going. <clears throat> it's that, it's that uh, snow outside. It's choking me up. Man, that's rough. I, I didn't want to see that today. <clears throat> All right. Now that she's out, I can talk about her. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Um, I think I've got it okay. Um, but, you know, you go to college, and when you first get there, it's so exciting. You're meeting new people. You're getting ready for your classes, and, and, and you're meeting your roommate, and everything just seems good. And then, and then you go to class the first day, and you get like five syllabi, and, and it's like, oh, you know, 15 books I'm going to read this semester, right? 20-page uh, papers, and it just starts coming at you, you know? And you're suddenly like, I'm not excited anymore. Like the reality hit. The opposition is here. And you find out your roommate hates your guts. What are you going to do? Um... I think it's that way in many endeavors. Thank you. I said only good things. <laughs> um, I think it's like that in any endeavor, you know? Like, you step out and reality hits. Be ready. Get ready. But I think particularly when you step into ministry positions, ministry leaders here, when you step into a serving role, you're going to get pushback. Reality's going to hit. Satan hates it. And it's exactly what happens with Barnabas and Saul. We need to be praying then that the Holy Spirit would sustain his workers. That they would be connecting to God in such a way 
that these things don't take them out of ministry that God has called them to. All right. All right. I promised that I would share some things <clears throat> that you can do, even if, <clears throat> even if you're not in vocational ministry. What would I say to you this morning then? Well, number one, <clears throat> I think you have to pray the Lord of the harvest sends out workers. That's what Jesus told us to do. We got to pray that God would send. And, and I want to see, I want to pray that God sends people from this church. Call missionaries here. Call pastors here. Call workers here. Call worship leaders here. Call youth ministers here. Call them. And yes, it's going to be sad when we send them, but call them from this place. He's done it before. Let's keep asking Him. Let's keep seeking Him for those things. We're the ones that are praying people into Christian service. Just like Acts 13, 1-4 those guys, those guys were the prayer warriors, and they were sending Barnabas and Saul off in prayer. <clears throat> Number two, what can you do? I think you need to be willing to send or support someone you love to go into ministry. Um, seminary is expensive, and ministry doesn't pay those debts very easily. I had someone help me. I mean, that, that's how I did seminary. Couldn't have done it without them. Would you be willing to support somebody who's going into ministry with those costs? Last I heard, missionaries don't get paid a whole lot either. Um, but they need the training. They need to go in at their best, or as good as they can. And would you be willing to send them? Because for some of them, it's going to be your kids. And they might have the conversation with you one day. I want to go. I want to go to China. I want to go to Liberia, as a friend of mine did. <clears throat> what are you going to say? Well, I'm not going to see as much. Well, no doubt. But are you going to say glory to God? He said, "Set apart this person for the work I'm calling them to." So go. You got to have a willingness to be a sender. That's what we're called to be as a church. Number three. If you're the one that feels called by God, listen for that, and then listen to trusted leaders. Talk to people and say, you know, what, what, what do you think? What do you see in my life? Do you see these giftings? Do you see this calling? Would you seek the Lord on my behalf? Would you fast and pray? And seek an answer for this. That's what we got to be doing. Um, maybe it's you. If it is you, I would, I would love. It would be a privilege to talk to you about it. What those next steps look like. I'd love to do that. Number four. You ought to develop a passion for missions and for the glory of God to be known among the nations. Do you want to see other people groups know the Lord? People that look different than you, that think different than you, that you may never meet, do you want them to hear about Christ? Are you satisfied knowing that you have salvation, but they do not? And if you're comfortable like that, I'm sorry, I can't help you maybe, but you've got to have a passion 
for people that have never heard the name Jesus to hear him. I mean, that's what it means to be a sender. I want people to hear the gospel. I want people to go. Yeah, I mean, how often are you going to hear the pastor say, I want people to leave this church? You're not going to hear that very much, but you're hearing it on a Sunday like today because we've got to send. Who are they? I don't know, but we've got to send because the gospel hasn't gone far enough yet and Christ hasn't returned. Number five, <clears throat> do your missions work in this community. I've said it a number of times this morning, but God planted you here. Well, yeah, you decided to move and buy a house and you got a job here, but God put you here too. He orchestrated those events. And you're here to reach your neighbors. You're here to reach your coworkers. That's your ministry field right there. And we all have it. We're all missionaries. Which is why it's dangerous to talk about vocational missions because I never want to take away from our work here, your work here. That's what I would encourage you in, that God has called all of us, in some sense, into the harvest fields. Let's go. It starts when you walk out these doors. It even starts in the doors when you see someone you don't know and you walk up to them and find out a little bit about their story. Let's be a sending church because the Holy Spirit is a sending God. Let's pray. Father, um, would you give us a passion for your glory to make you known all across the world? Would you make us a sending church? I know that can be a hard prayer to pray when it comes to people we love that we'd rather keep right here with us. That's a hard one. But I pray you'd give us the grace to be able to release them and to send them God, I pray that our people, whether old or young, would be attentive to your 